What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast. It is Thursday, September 29th, 2022, and we are back. Media Day just happened this Monday, and training camp is underway for the Mavericks. They play their first preseason game next Wednesday, I believe, uh, which is coming up extremely fast. It is NBA season once again, and I'm so excited to be back here talking about the Mavericks after what felt like a really long offseason, even though it was one of the shorter offseasons in recent memory. And, you know, in, in, in under a month, we'll be watching the regular season unfold and, and hopefully have the Mavericks get off to a hot start, which is something they haven't done in a while. So really excited and also excited to be back with Fazl here to talk about Media Day. We got a lot of stuff to discuss, so I'll just get right into it. How's it going, Fazl? Pretty good. Um, as always, can't really complain. And I am more than happy to see basketball on the horizon because it's been boring without it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this has been one of the more boring off seasons um, in recent memory, just in terms of like, there was so much potential for stuff to happen, like with Kevin Durant. Um, and of course, the Donovan Mitchell trade eventually happened, but it took a while to get to that point. Um and I don't know, all the free agency stuff happened like within the first two days. And after that, there was really not much that happened uh, until like the last week where there was two pretty big stories with Robert Sarver and Ime Yudoka, um, which uh, obviously we don't really need to get into on here. But um, yeah, I agree. It's it's hap- it's it's great to be actually talking about basketball for once. <laughs> yeah, for real. But yeah, let's let's talk about media day because um, obviously that happened earlier this week. I know that we were supposed to go, but for various reasons, we weren't able to. Uh, maybe next year. <laughs> um, but I think the big story from media day obviously is uh, Christian Wood, of course. Um, over the summer, like in I think in summer league, Jason Kidd was doing some interviews and he let it be known that his plan is to start Spencer Dinwiddie um, at the other guard spot and JaVale McGee at the starting five spot. And of course, JaVale McGee was promised by the Mavericks a starting spot, which he has also said was uh, one of the main reasons, if not the main reason that he signed with the Mavericks in July. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if there's really a controversy anymore. I mean, you know, they asked Christian Wood about it at media day and um, he kind of jokingly said like, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. Obviously it wasn't the first time. Uh, Christian Wood was hearing about it because Jason Kidd has kind of said on multiple occasions, I think that JaVale McGee is going to be starting. Um, I don't know what you make of this whole situation. Um, my take on this is that um, I think Christian Wood has handled it well so far. And and he also realizes that this is his, what, seventh NBA team um, since coming into the league in 2015, I believe. So uh, for him, it's really about proving that he can contribute meaningfully on a winning team because we know he's capable of putting up the stats. I mean, you know, he was an 18 and 10 guy in Houston, but look how bad that team was. Right. So uh, this is really the first winning situation he's been in, in his career. And I think uh, for him, it would be wise to, to prove he can contribute to winning uh, before maybe putting too much emphasis on, on starting. Yeah. So first off, I don't think this is a big issue at all. Like if, um, I don't really blame fans for going overboard, going crazy um, on on this shit because, um, <laughs> excuse me, you know, um, Tim McMahon, his tweets were 
regarding you know the comments made um they weren't they weren't they didn't provide as much context as the actual video did where it's clear that christian wood was joking and i mean of course like the reporting on javel starting has been there since it's been there for months you know not even kids comments like it's almost impossible that christian wood hasn't actually heard this before and i know um you know jason kidd was asked later about if he's actually communicated that to wood and he said no my assistants did but uh, same difference really like they know they both everybody knows it's not an issue and um also, I think you 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 raise a good point. Um, this is basically I'm not gonna say that this is Christian Wood's last chance in the NBA. Of course not, but it's <laughs> might be his last chance to get big money because um, you know, he's bounced around from team to team. Uh really only within the past couple of years, though, he's been like a player of significant note or value. And um, you know, the past couple of years he had the excuse of being on bad teams that weren't expected to do anything. Um but this is like for the first time since he had, you know, what was it, 12 games of James Harden or whatever. I, it was probably less than that. But this is the first time he's going to be next to like an actual talented cast where he's not even the best player either. And when he was playing next to Harden for those couple of games, you know, he put up some monster numbers. So I'm excited to see that. Um, he is. I, I mean, I'm not, I haven't followed him throughout his entire career and I haven't followed him too very intently compared to like, you know, fans of other teams who have had him on their team. Um, but he is, you know, his effort certainly is correlated to like his emotional status, which he's not, you know, he's not a business oriented vet who's like a pro's pro who's going to put the team for himself or whatever. Maybe he's not like that yet, but he is, I, I'm I'm going to say he's motivated. Like, I don't think that's me being like super optimistic by saying that. <laughs> um, I think he's, I, it does sound like he's bought in, you know, at least for the time being. And if he shows enough on defense, he can absolutely get that starting spot. Uh, I think that's the big emphasis of the starting lineup. It's defense oriented. So um as of right now, you know, he's just going to be super six man, like the same way that uh, Lamar Odom was for the Lakers back in 2009, 2010, or Jason Terrier, you know, for us all the way back then as well. Um, or James Harden. In... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, James Harden. <laughs> um, yeah, you made a lot of good points there. Um, and I think Christian Wood is somewhat self-aware, like he understands that uh, and he has said as much, too, that this is really like the first time he's been in a winning situation. Uh, so he gets that he has to prove that he can actually contribute to winning. Um, he also did say that uh, to him, it doesn't really matter right now, like whether he starts or comes off the bench. Uh, but that might factor into his uh, extension talks or the next contract talks, which I mean, is fair. I think like um, for a player of his talent, like, I mean, every player wants to start, uh, but you know, I think like that's something that he can worry about, like once his future becomes a little bit clearer, because, you know, he's in the last year of his contract, obviously, and this is both an audition year for him, as well as for the Mavericks to, to you know, they kind of have a little bit to prove to each other, as uh, Nico Harrison said, um, on draft night when the, the trade became official. So, like you said, defense, I think, is the key to get him in the starting lineup. I mean, it's very clear at this point that Jason Kidd's number one uh, priority is defense. Um, that's his biggest emphasis. And if you don't play defense, then you're not going to play on a Jason Kidd team. So 
I think the ideal scenario is that Christian Wood is so good that they end up having to start him. Um, and I know like Tim Cato talked about this on his podcast, um, that if that is the case, then, you know, we could see the Mavericks start to look a little bit similar to what the, uh, you know, 2019-20 Lakers did. Uh, the team that won the championship with JaVale McGee starting at center. Uh, you had another big next to him. In the case of the Lakers, it was Anthony Davis. Uh, in the case of the Mavs, you would have Christian Wood, who, in my opinion, is a more talented offensive player at this time than AD is. Um, and then, of course, like you have 3 and D wings and Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock surrounded by uh, a helocentric guard in Luka. So, I think that's the ultimate vision for this team, but Christian Wood has got to prove it with his defensive effort. Yeah, that's that's pretty reasonable. Um, I think it's interesting to note that, of course, JaVale McGee was a starter on the 2020 Lakers in the regular season, at least. If I'm not mistaken, he was phased out in the um, playoffs and, you know, he didn't even play. Uh, he's never played heavy minutes um, ever since he was in, like, Denver all the way back in 2013 but um he at least started you know in the regular season and they ran the two bigs lineup and then I think in the playoffs they shifted towards like at least by the time of the finals like AD was the lone starting big man which I don't know how that's gonna work like maybe eventually in the regular season they'll run two bigs and you know see some success that way like they might envision um Christian Wood in that AD role like you were saying and then, like, by the time the playoffs come around, you know, Christian Wood could be the lone starting big man and the Mavs can go kind of small and, like, reap the benefits from that in a best-case scenario. Yeah, I think Christian Wood off the bench provides the Mavericks some flexibility, too, because, you know, you pair him with Maxi Kleba, and that's a pretty formidable uh, front court as well. I mean, you have two bigs that can stretch the floor and then you have uh, a guy like Maxi, who's a little bit more defensively oriented than Christian Wood is. There's a lot of interchangeability um, in the four and five position there. And I think that lineup in particular is really going to wreck bench units. Um, and then like, that's not even to mention that you have Tim Hardaway Jr. Who's a guy who's capable of popping off for like, you know, 15 or 20 points on any given night. So I think the Mavericks bench is actually going to be really good this year, uh, despite the fact that there's not really a clear secondary ball handler yet, which is something we'll get into in a little bit. But um, I think the Mavericks are really well suited off, at least like in the beginning, to get off to a better start, at least than they did the last couple of seasons. Yeah, um, I think this is... This feels so weird to say because it's not like we exactly have a star big man or anything, but our our big man, our front court depth is pretty, it's the most stacked I've remembered it being in a long time because like, you know, you got Maxi and Christian Wood off the bench. JaVale is not a bad starting center for the regular season. You have Dorian taking care of the four, you know, I think. Um, and then you have freaking Dwight Dwight Powell as a breaking case of glass player which is um he, he might be a little overqualified for that which is good I think so um all of that all of that goes well um yeah the Mavs did a great job um upgrading their front court depth because for, for a while that was one of their weakest positions um and honestly they were probably one of the weaker front courts in all of the NBA in my opinion uh, the last few years, but 
you know, with JaVale McGee, uh, as accomplished as he is in his career, and then Christian Wood, a guy who I think has all-star potential, whether or not he makes the all-star team. I mean, a 20-10 and 10 season from Christian Wood is not out of the realm of possibility, in my opinion. Um, and then, you know, Maxi Kleba off the bench, like we all know what he can do, and he's proven to be very valuable for the Mavericks. And then, I mean, even Dwight Powell is a good player who has proven his ability to carry the Mavericks through an entire regular season. Um, I just think with the logjam that the Mavs have in the front court now, uh, Dwight Powell may not be seeing as many minutes, which is a good thing because, I mean, if Dwight Powell is your fourth big man, then that means uh, you have a strong position group in the front court, which the Mavericks do have now. Um, and then one note, finally, that I have, like kind of on the JaVale McGee versus Christian Wood starting center thing is that we've seen the last, at least like last year, like Dwight Powell started at center for the Mavericks. But like, if you look in the playoffs, I mean, they really, they really like built their, not built, but like their rotation was very heavily dependent on Maxi Kaliba playing the five in the playoffs, right? So I think it's important to know too that what it takes to win regular season games and go get through the regular season is not necessarily the same as what it takes to win playoff games. And, you know, from one year with Jason Kidd, like we've already seen that he's willing to switch things up and change the playing style uh, to suit the personnel on the floor and do whatever it takes to win in the playoffs. So um, I don't think we should rule out a situation in which JaVale McGee is, you know, starting most of the games in the regular season, uh, playing his 20 minutes, uh, with Christian Wood playing significant minutes off the bench. And then, and then in the playoffs, you see a, a much heavier dose of Christian Wood and Maxi Kleba in the front court. I think that it's that that's very likely. Um, but of course, that's a really long way in the future. So don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. But that's just kind of like one last thought I had on this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I could really say much better myself because obviously – the Mavs starting rotation or starting lineup, sorry, last season versus their starting lineup at the end. Um, yeah, Jalen Brunson coming off the bench to start the season last year. And then um, obviously, and if only he was still here, things would be so much more interesting if he was, but yeah. that's okay. I, oh, actually, one one thing is um, on media day, I don't know how accurate this is because I, I guess teams might still be fudging the numbers, even though they're not supposed to, but they, um, you know, the, the Mavs released the player stats, like, you know, weight, height, all of that. And out of everybody in the, you know, who we might expect to see getting actual minutes in the rotation, the shortest player was 6'5". Yeah, the Mavericks have really transformed their um, their roster composition for uh, in terms of, like, length and height, honestly, because, I mean we're all really familiar with, you know, how the Mavs were constructed under Rick Carlisle and Donnie Nelson. Like they had a lot of like small guards on the team. And now, like, like you said, who's the shortest player, like on the roster now, is it like Josh green or probably Something like that? Yeah. And Josh think... green is like six, five or six, six. I don't know if I'm missing anyone else. Yeah. I mean, Jaden um... Hardy, I guess that's, that's the shortest player, but even he's got pretty good length. He's and I think right. he's like six three or six four, so he's not like small either. Right, and I don't really expect him to get too many minutes this season. But if he does, that's that's still like six three six four for one player. That's not that bad. And then um, 
technically, I guess, currently on the roster, there's McKinley Wright, who's um, 5'11 or something, but he's not He's not going to be on the roster when the regular season starts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is a good transition to kind of another thing I wanted to talk about, the starting lineup, which was uh, Spencer Dinwiddie being the other starting guard next to Luka Doncic. Um, you know, we saw the Mavericks have a lot of success with Jalen Brunson starting next to Luka last year. Um, and I think it lends a lot of credibility to the to the philosophy that you need multiple ball handlers in your starting lineup or really on the floor at all times. Um, I think the Luka and Dinwiddie fit, like we saw it work pretty well last season. And I'm actually a lot more excited to see how it works out for 82 games or, or around that much because I think Luka and Dinwiddie's playing styles really complement each other um, in a way that maybe Brunson and Luca didn't because Luca is a very methodical player. He doesn't like to push the tempo that much, whereas Dinwiddie we've seen is great at getting downhill. He loves pushing the ball, um, drawing fouls, getting to the basket. And I think that those two skill sets, like, you know, they contrast each other, but they kind of add a different element to the Mavericks that they didn't have last season. So I'm excited to see how that plays out over the the course of the whole season. Yeah, um, so I think it's interesting to note that at least last season, um, Dinwiddie's numbers on court with Luka were actually pretty bad. Um, I don't know how that progressed, you know, by the time the playoffs rolled around. It's also a little obfuscated because, you know, Dinwiddie had that tragic uh, series against the Jazz. <laughs> but um, I, and I haven't really done a dive into the numbers for the playoffs yet, but or at all because um i don't know i was just less excited after the warriors dispatched us so easily when i thought we were going to go to the finals <laughs> um but yeah so in terms of like um on court numbers i think jalen and luca they were they that was pretty they had good synergy together and i think that's to be expected because they spent so many years together um i don't recall spencer spencer and luca didn't have good numbers together I think Spencer and Jalen were okay. I'm not sure. And three guard lineup that was that had good numbers, but um, I'm not sure if like it was as effective as you know people thought it was. At least you know statistically speaking. Um, but I'm a, I'm that's that's a really good point though. Like something to look out for is to see uh, if Luke and Spencer can have that like added chemistry this year. Um, and be able to have good results for the both of them because obviously Luca he played well in basically all of his lineups but Spencer um, he last season he played a lot better when he came off the bench and he was like the solo lead guard to um, just you know basically do his thing um, I think hopefully with added time in training camp and everything else of course um, and just added time getting to play together in general um, he and Luca should be able to do better um, but we'll see. Um, there's also the matter of integrating people like Tim Hardaway Jr. back into the mix because, um, you know, last season he was bad as well. And then he uh, was finally starting to pick it up back when, until he got injured, like within the last couple of weeks of his season. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can come back in the form this year and like, you know, pick up seamlessly. And that's the best case scenario. I really hope that's the case. Um, it'll also be interesting to see him play next to Spencer and or Luca, um, or if he's going to, you know, not do as well again to start off the year. And, you know, we, we have to wait until he comes back and 
being good again, which I'm not going to say there's a 0% chance that he is, uh, he comes back bad. Um, there's, there's definitely some luck involved in us getting off to a hot start, I think. And of course, um, as I think some people have pointed out, such as I know Kirk has before, Reggie, Reggie Bullock, he has never had the best shooting splits in the first couple of months of the season. And then like, you know, after January, it's like a, it's like a, a switch has been flipped and he starts shooting lights out. So we'll see if that trend holds up again, because it certainly did last season. Yeah, you know, that's a lot of good points about Dinwiddie. And I think that uh, with Tim Hardaway Jr., yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how he plays next to Dinwiddie because I don't believe that the two of them actually played at all together last season because Tim Hardaway got hurt before the trade deadline. Um, And so obviously, like, he never returned that last season, so he didn't get to play next to Dinwiddie. Um, I think this season... Uh, there'll be plenty of chances for them to play next to each other because um, just with the Mavericks ball handling depth right now, uh, it's it's going to be necessary to stagger both Luka and Dinwiddie's minutes. Um, and I think Dinwiddie will get a lot of burn with the second unit as well uh, because like as we saw last season, that's where he shined a lot. Um, and so I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is in a better position to succeed this season because, I mean, if you look at last season, a lot of his struggles were kind of due or kind of happened like at the beginning of the year, right? He was counted on to play make uh, a little bit more than he probably should have been uh, just with his, you know, ball handling and playmaking capabilities. Um, And then I think like, you know, around the time he got hurt, he was starting to play a little bit better. Uh, But unfortunately the injury happened and we never got to see how he would fit in uh, with the new team post-trade deadline. Um, And so I think it's also important to note that the beginning of the year, the Mavericks were trying out a new offensive system uh, with Igor Kokoshkov running that. Uh, but then I think after like 15 or 20 games or so, they kind of abandoned Igor's ideas and went back to the spread pick and roll uh, offensive system that had been so successful uh, with the Luka offense. And so presumably the Mavericks will be playing that style from the very beginning this year. Uh, and like you said, I think there's a lot of luck involved uh, in starting hot, uh, you know, health being number one. Uh, hopefully Luca's in shape, which I think he is. Um, and and if everything breaks right, I think the Mavericks are in a good position to get off to a good start, despite the fact that they're scheduled to start the year uh, is not the easiest. Yeah, that's, that's a good point about the schedule. I haven't really um, checked up on you know the strength of schedule or the tough and easier portions of our schedule so what um what does our schedule look like if you know um i'm kind of like reggie bullock that i don't know what the schedule looks like (laughs) um i just know that they (laughs) open the season against the suns but you know i do know that the mavericks play the nets uh a couple times in really the first week or first two weeks of the season um I can look it up if you would like. Let's see here. So open against the Suns, then they play the Grizzlies in the second game, then the Pelicans in the third game. Uh, That's obviously a pretty uh, formidable first three games of the season. Uh, Then they play the Nets on the 27th. And they play the Nets again again on November 7th. So they do have some tough games to begin the year. Uh, But, you know, I think, again, like they're, they're in a good position uh, having brought back a lot of uh, 
the core from last season's Western Conference Finals team and upgrading in the areas that they needed to, like namely in the front court. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm trying to cope a little bit now. Um, and I know people like to make fun of like this whole thing, like, oh yeah, getting Tim Hardaway Jr. was like getting a free agent. But I think there's some validity to that just because like he's another scorer. Like the Mavericks last year, if you recall, like their offense, especially to start the year, uh, was disgusting. Like they had a lot of trouble scoring the ball. Um, but now you you have more scorers on this team. I mean, you have like if you just listen at all the guys on the team that that can go off for twenty plus points uh, any given night. I mean, Luca is obviously good for that every single night. Um, and then you have Dinwiddie, you have Tim Hardaway Jr., you have Christian Wood. You know, all these guys are capable of handling the scoring load outside of Luca on a given night. And so I think having that kind of diversity uh, will serve the Mavericks well. And it's not just, you know, diversity in terms of like the number of guys who are capable of doing it, but uh, the positions that they play. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is a guard. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a wing and Christian Wood is a big. Like when was the last time the Mavericks had a big that could uh, that could co- score 20 points a game like I think Dirk Nowitzki was the last big that that could do that for the Mavericks so that's really exciting um and their front court depth is probably as good as it's been since like the you know 2013-14 season when of course they had Dirk and then they had Dewan Blair Brandon Wright um Samuel Dallenbeer like that was a pretty good front court group for the Mavericks so I'm really excited this year for this team um obviously would have been great if they acquired another ball handler but I'm sure there'll be a chance, uh, hopefully mid-season, to be able to add that and just make the team stronger going into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think definitely getting that additional ball handler, that would be very much appreciated, even if it's just like, you know, even if Luca and Dinwiddie can basically carry the load effectively just as insurance, you know, that would be great because our after those two guys, you know, our next option is our next best option is like Frank, who's, of course, I, I love Frank, but I don't know if he's going to be, you know, if we're putting him in a role to succeed by asking him to do all of that. So that's something, um, you know, maybe Jaden Hardy surprises everybody and says, I'm actually going to be an all-star this year, which um, <laughs> you can only dream. Um Yeah. But hey, as I say, dreams are crazy until they come true. No, right. but <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think the best case scenario for Jaden Hardy this year is like 10 minutes per game. Um, if he's playing more than that, things have either gone very wrong or Jaden Hardy is, like you said, an all-star level player in year one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do have a little bit of optimism for like starting out hot with the fact that you know knock on wood this team is currently healthy um i can't really think of anybody who's like significant who's like has anything serious to deal with i mean luca got banged up a little in, throughout eurobasket but he's i'm sure with the rest he's getting now he's going to be fine when opening day arrives i i think luca will be fine also um it didn't really seem like uh the injury is too much of a problem right now um and it's good that selfishly he got eliminated when he did because it at least gave a few more days of rest that he wouldn't have had if he made it to the final sorry slovenia but you know i'm a Mavs fan first um (laughs) but 
but yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm confident that Luca's not going to look out of shape like he has the last two years. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed on that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Luca does look like he's in great shape compared to the last couple of seasons. He's like in the best shape of his life, basically. Um, probably you know as good as his rookie year or better. Um, that's that's exciting. I think that's probably the biggest correlation to mm-hmm. the Mavs getting off to a hot start. So um, that's another reason to be optimistic. But um, yeah, that's I'm hopeful that you know he can uh, by getting off on the right foot this season. Um, he's gonna what's the word? Not really deal with very many nagging injuries as well because he's conditioned. Um, so that if we can get like you know 70 plus games out of Luca this year, then we could absolutely shoot for a top four seed, which. You know, it seems kind of unlikely even now. I'm I'm optimistic, but I wouldn't say I'm that optimistic to be like, oh yeah, we're a lock for a top four seed. But um, who knows if we get a full season out of Luca where he doesn't have like you know a ten game stretch where he's out with a twisted ankle or whatever. Um, the sky's the limit, almost at least. Yeah, for I'm pretty season. optimistic about the Mavericks. Like I agree that they're not a lock for a top four seed, but I think that should be the expectation for this team, uh, just given who they are like they're not a young team outside of Luca I mean and this is Luca's fifth year we obviously know how good he is when healthy and when in shape and so I think both of those things are true about him at this moment so uh, we should expect a good start to the season from both him and the team and and hopefully his health holds up over the course of the season Um, you know I'm glad you mentioned you know kind of how in the past he has had these injuries that with his ankle that's kept him out you know, seven to 10 game stretches. And I am a little bit worried about what will happen to the Mavericks if that does happen this season, just because of their ball handling depth. I mean, um, if Luca and Dinwiddie are the starters, if either of them misses an extended stretch, I'm not really sure how they're going to make up for it, uh, both ball handling and, and scoring wise too. Um, it really does seem like they're counting on Frank Nilakina and or Josh Green to you know, step into some of the ball handling duties this year. And I'm optimistic about Josh Green. Like, I think offensively, he still has a way to go. But I think, like, this is his time now. He's got the opportunity. He's got to to grab it. And, and, you know, hopefully he can take some steps forward on the offensive end this season, both as a ball handler and a shooter. Yeah, uh, I think it's important to note that Josh Green didn't even have that bad of a season – Last year, um, I thought he showed some very clear and encouraging signs of development. And obviously his box score stats, they don't pop out at you. But at least he's at least he's not that bad of a shooter anymore. Um, obviously, he wasn't even good last year, but um, he is if if all that hype offseason <laughs> footage is to be believed, he's made some strides over the offseason and uh, we can expect he's probably going to get more of a chance this year like i mean that's i feel like that's only natural and this is what only his third fourth, season fourth so season, this is oh, i'm no, not gonna I say should... this is a make or break year oh sorry this oh, is his third, fourth okay yeah this is third season i'm not gonna say it's a make or break year for him but um you know we'll see this is probably we'll see what he's really made out of this year and um he he does have he he's he has some legitimate instinct for basketball. He's not um maybe he's not never going to be a genius like Chris Paul or Luca or something. 
course, but he does have some playmaking talent and he does have some notion of how to play defense, which is always accepted in an NBA player, <laughs> especially one who you hope to give like 20 minutes a game to or whatever. Um, maybe, you know, he can have a better shot in the playoffs too. Maybe he won't be scared shitless anymore, which would be, I, I'd love to see that as well. Um, but I think uh, probably like most young players, Josh is very confidence-based. Um, we'll, so we'll see, like, hopefully um, he plays with a lot more confidence this season and we can see um, him put up some actual, you know, monster stat lines and have people forgetting all about Desmond Bain, which is, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's more cope, but I, yeah, I'd love to see I've that. always thought that Josh Green has good instincts. Um, it's just really about, like, putting it together and, um, having the game slow down, so to speak, like a lot of players say. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think this is necessarily a make or break year for his career, but it's definitely a make or break year for his future with the team. Um, I think like how he performs this year is really going to determine, you know, whether the Mavericks just end up dumping him in a, as a salary filler in a trade or if they actually value him um, and, you know, try and see if they can use him to upgrade or uh, get equal value in return for, uh, because he is one of the few young players on this team. So it would be great for him to actually pan out. Um, and so, yeah, after seeing some of those clips uh, from the offseason, like I'm optimistic about him, but obviously like we know that any player can look good in those workout clips. So um, it really comes down to how they can can use it in, in a game. But, you know, I did see some clips from him in practice too, handling the ball, and he looks a little bit more comfortable than I've seen him in the past. So let's see. I mean, like you said, he's got the opportunity this year, and I think he's going to be given the first crack at it uh, before the Mavericks uh, decide to pursue external options. And then another guy too that I think not many people are talking about, uh, but I feel like needs to be mentioned is Tyler Dorsey, who signed a two-way contract with the Mavericks over the summer. Um I thought he had a really good Euro basket uh, for the Greek national team playing next to Giannis. Um, he was basically like their second best player. Um, and, you know, he's on a two-way contract right now, but the Mavericks still do have uh, an open roster spot. And I wouldn't rule out the possibility of him getting signed to the main roster and, and maybe even getting regular game minutes too, if he's able to have a strong training camp in preseason. I think for him, Again, uh, the thing that's going to determine that is how well he can defend. Yeah, um, he he's kind of like a poor man's THJ, which is, I guess, funny in a way to say that we have like one of those on the team. Um, <laughs> I I'm not going to say he's Josh Green's like you know. I, I don't want to say that he's like putting Josh Green's feet to the fire. I don't think that's really his role on the team, but that is like when we first signed him, that's like one of the things that I was wondering. Um, but it's, I'm, I think he is deserving of a roster spot uh, spot. He looks a lot better. Um, but then he did, you know, in his previous years in the NBA, um, and it's been a while since then too. So he's even saying that like, it's been three years since a lot of these guys have seen me. I'm kind of a newcomer to the NBA again. I don't know how, you know, I'm going to be looked at. So I thought that was an interesting quote from him. Uh, he does certainly sound like he's got 
a good perspective of how he's got to come out and play every night if he gets the chance to with Mavs. Um, I, I would be in favor of giving that last roster spot to him because he is, I think what he showed in Eurobasket was pretty compelling. Um, he can absolutely, you know, shoot lights out and, you know, give you a quick 18 points in one half if he has like the ideal night, uh, which is, that's pretty cool. Like you can, you can never really have too much of that on any team. Um, I'm not sure if he's like a ball handler or if he plays much defense, but he is, he can at least create a shot for himself, which is something nice. I don't know, you know, about any of the rest of that to his game, especially in the NBA, how any of that would translate. But um, he, I think there's a reason to be like, hopeful about him if he actually has to play you know significant minutes but i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna count on him to move the needle in any capacity and if he does play like um you know big stretches of games throughout any point of the season that means we've probably been hit by injuries so like that's kind of like a you know putting putting your prayers into him at that point but i'm i'm not gonna like I'm not going to shit on the Mavs for giving him a two-way spot. I think he's a fine signing. So I thought what he did in Eurobasket was pretty legit. Um, and, you know, Tyler Dorsey's played the last two or three years in the EuroLeague, um, and he's been a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, I think the most impressive thing about Tyler Dorsey in Eurobasket this summer was not necessarily like the fact that he was making his shots, but the the difficulty of the shots that he was taking was – pretty pretty tough shots i felt and of, and he was doing it off the dribble too like he was creating a lot of those shots for himself which i really like to see i mean it, it shows that he is capable of some creation ability with the ball in his hands like he's not totally reliant on getting set up um by teammates and another thing that needs to be noted about eurobasket is that the court dimensions are actually smaller than those in the nba i'm not sure how many but um you know, you always hear European players like Luca and even most recently Giannis talk about how scoring in Europe is harder than it is in the NBA. And I think the court dimensions is a large reason for that. There's just less space um, on the floor. And so getting a shot off is just that much harder. And we saw Tyler Dorsey was able to do it uh, with some degree of ease in Eurobasket. And I think that that shows that he's improved since his last uh, stint in the NBA, which I think ended in 2019 and shows that there's a chance that he can do some of that with the Mavericks. Um, and I believe he'll be given the chance to, again, there's a reason the Mavericks left that 15th roster spot open. Uh, I think they clearly do want Tyler Dorsey or Josh green to sort of seize the the role as the secondary ball handler Um off the bench for the Mavericks. Even Frank Nilakina, you can add him to that conversation too. Um, but I do think in particular, Tyler Dorsey, the front office is rooting for him. Uh, I think Dirk gave an interview during Eurobasket where uh, he indicated that much, like, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I think he said that, like, we hope that he has like a strong camp, which indicates to me that they're rooting for him to seize the opportunity. Um, but he's got to go out there and prove it. And and so far, I think... Uh, He's got all the tools to do it, but it's going to come down to defense. And I haven't watched him enough to know how his defense was in Eurobasket, but I guess we'll find out here in preseason. Yeah, I don't think there's really anything else 
left to be said about Tyler Dorsey. Um, as far as the rest of the roster goes, like, I, I don't know. I suppose, like, since the Mavs are most likely going to be a heavy three-point shooting team again, despite what Kid said in, um, on media day about, like, trying to have a more diversified offense, I think naturally they're going to gravitate back to, like, shooting a shit ton of threes just because it works. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe they're going to get more shots at the basket, too, because um, you're, you're going to have Christian Wood up there, hopefully. And, of course, Trey McGee is, like, a great lob threat. But, um, and Luca scores in the paint a lot, of course. But um, besides that, I don't know, like, I can't, I know they're not going to be, you know, kids not going to tell the players, hey, don't shoot any mid-range shots, like, that's obviously part of what you want for a diversified offense to shoot from anywhere and score from anywhere. Um, but I suppose since we're going to be such a jump shooting team again, um, one thing to look out for is just see this season, you know, we're going to live and die by the threes and the long twos as well, I think. So um, it worked out last season, you know, broadly speaking, uh, it should work out again this season because it's most of the same people and, you know, we have a bunch of great shooters, but, um, or at least good shooters, but, uh, well, you know, it's crazier things have happened. Um, we saw how the Knicks went from, you know, that, that really good team with Randall on it two seasons ago to being like a joke last season. And uh, there were a lot of factors in there and they had a lot more turnover between those two seasons than the maps ha have had um, between last year and this year. So um, it's not a one-to-one -one comparison, but it's all something that I think about. And same with like, say the Hawks too. Um, they had, well, in their case, they just got complacent mentally. And also I'm not really that sold on um, what's his name, Nate McMillan being that great of a coach, <laughs> just just being frank here but um i think it's important that nobody on this roster you know they rest in their laurels and think oh we're gonna have another trip to the western conference finals guaranteed again because we're just that good um no that's ob absolutely not the case uh hopefully um they will approach this season with like the same level of integrity i guess that's befitting of a western conference finals team or better fingers crossed um but we'll see what happens uh hopefully like at, i think on the at the very end of the day it's all in luca to set the tone and be a leader so um we're already seeing good signs of that with him coming into the season in shape so yeah luca's really leadership is a good point because that's probably one of the last things i wanted to talk about um I think we saw Luca's leadership take some good steps forward last season, um, especially once uh, Jason Kidd challenged him to get in shape, uh, I think in December. Um, and, you know, I think like Luca understands now that a lot of the other guys on the team look to him when things aren't going well or, you know, down the stretch of games when it's close. And so it's good to see him embracing that now. Um, and sticking up for his guys, like in interviews and things like that, like when they ask him, like, do you think the Mavericks have enough? He's never really complaining. Uh, whereas I'm, I'm sure that he would like them to have better players or a little bit more talent. But he's, you know, he's out there saying like, no, I think we have enough. Like Dorian Finney-Smith is good. Spencer Dinwiddie uh, is nobody's talking about him. Like he's going to have a good season. So 
Uh, I think it's good that he's propping his teammates up. Uh, and that bodes well for the morale of this team um, going forward this season. And, you know, when you add like a guy like JaVale McGee into the mix too, I think he's going to be huge for the Mavericks um, in the locker room. Like he's been on a lot of winning teams since last leaving the Mavericks six years ago. Um, he's seen a lot. He's changed and evolved a lot. Um, and I just think that his mindset and mentality uh, that he wants to win every single game is is going to be enormous for the team, if you ask me. That's a great point. Um, you know, it's you can argue that paying JaVale $6 million in three seasons when he's 37 is going to be a bit of a bad contract. But look, the Mavs only having a $6 million payout be a bad contract is like, that's a good sign for this team considering the shitty contracts we've yeah. had on the books and still do like in years past. So I don't care about that so much as like exactly what you said, the leadership that JaVale brings to the team. Um, that quote about wanting to win every single game, you know, in some contexts, you know, you might be able to say, Oh, that's, that's funny. That's just JaVale being JaVale. But like, just, I don't know if, if fucking Jimmy yeah, Butler exactly. said that you'd be like, Oh, that's so cool. We love Jimmy. So who at the end of the day, who cares? Like JaVale is Yeah, I mean when they signed team. him, I was as excited. Um actually I would say I was more excited about his cultural fit, honestly, because um having that kind of player who's seen it all has been something the Mavericks has la- have lacked uh in the past. And you know, having a guy who's actually been on championship winning teams and contributed to them uh is something they haven't had in a long time since JJ Barea, I guess. Um, and so that sort of experience can't be easily replicated. So uh a six million dollar contract is not a bad contract. It's it's totally worth it, even if it doesn't always play out well on the court. Um, which again, I think he's an upgrade over Dwight Powell in any case. Uh, but just his leadership um is gonna be huge for the Mavericks. And I think that's one thing that's being overlooked this season as well. But yeah, that's really all I got for this episode. I think we hit on a lot of points. Um, it's exciting to be in this position, I think, as a Mavs fan. You know, the last few years, uh, we've complained that the roster has gotten stale. That's no longer the case now, uh, both in good ways and not so good ways. Uh, but I think the unpredictability of some things this season, like Christian Wood, uh, the starting lineup, or, you know, who's going to be the secondary ball handler off the bench, I think these are all exciting things that I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm sure most Mass fans are looking forward to it as well. And I can't wait for the preseason to start next week and uh, soon thereafter the regular season to start. It's going to be a really fun season and we can only hope that the Mavericks uh, get off to a fast start. Yeah, same here. If we get off to a fast start, I think um, the sky might be the limit because um not having to climb back from something that's uh, you know a subpar start that that's big like we saw it in the 1920 season uh lucas sophomore season when um you know obviously we would have liked to see that success sustained but uh at that that hot start in the very beginning that's what propelled us to the playoffs and obviously led the way for just all the success that's come to follow ever since so um this this season is really just about taking the next big yeah, step. Yeah, and I think this season is also about figuring out like what what pieces 
currently on the team fit the future vision and which ones don't um in addition to winning of course but i think like when you when i say that i think of christian wood and josh green and tim hardaway jr mainly and we talked a lot about those guys so um it'll be fun to see how this team evolves in playing style over the season and uh, how things are looking closer to the trade deadline next year but the mavericks are set up well uh to take the next step this season um and position themselves to be a contender for the foreseeable future so uh, exciting times again. Thanks, Fazel, for joining me for this episode. Um, this year, we'll try and do an episode per week. So I guess you could say this is our weekly episode for this week, but we'll be back uh, next week with another episode. Um, we'll be having more guests this year uh, and can't wait to bring you guys regular podcasts. Um, so if you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, follow us at Mavs Film Room. Um, subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, amazon i don't know wherever you listen to your podcast we're distributed there uh thanks for your support through all this time and go mavs <laughs>